Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute, episode number 52. We are talking about quality assurance programs back on the farm today. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our recording of podcast number 52. Oh my goodness, guys, it's been a year of podcasting. I can hardly believe it, that I have shown up basically every single solitary week to deliver a podcast to all of you all. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey on my end because I've learned so much by speaking and by listening to everybody and doing the podcast the way that I do and changing up the podcast the way that I do. And I'm so grateful. And I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of my listeners because it means the world to me that this podcast is out there affecting lives in ways that uh, I couldn't a year ago before I had the podcast. So that's pretty amazing. So I want to put in a little bit of an ask here. If you love the podcast, uh, there are a couple of things that you can do. You can come join us on Thursdays when I record it uh, on the Proofing Box, which is our Facebook page. So if you just do a Facebook search for the Proofing Box, you can come join us. Of course, I record this live. So everybody who's watching live with me right now, you're already in the Proofing Box. Thanks for being here. I do office hours at the end of recording the podcast. And so stick around, ask questions. They can be questions about anything. It doesn't have to be questions about the topic at hand though a lot of times people DM me questions after the podcast and, and ask, and that's totally fine. <laughs> I love talking to, I love talking to people. So, and then the other thing that you can do is go leave a five-star review on your podcast listening methodology of choice, because that really super helps the al algorithm and helps us reach more people. And then finally refer somebody, just send the podcast to somebody, say, hey, come check her out because they're really not a whole lot of people podcasting in this space and helping everybody show up to the everydayness of running their food business. So I'm a life coach and I'm a subject matter expert in food safety. I am a veterinarian and I believe that, uh, Food safety starts on the farm, which is, of course, the topic of the podcast today. So without further ado, I don't, you know, I hate it when podcasts have these like long 10 minute introductions about why we're here. Let's just listen and get some value. So this week uh, we are doing a kind of a technical topics week and I alternate those with a mindset week so next week we're gonna we're gonna talk more about um mindset and and working on your own mindset because that's how we show up to the everydayness of uh, making our businesses deliver results in our lives and we are all about results around here results in health results in wealth and results in relationships and that's what local food gives us that's what small farms give us they give us so many results across the important things in our lives and it's a delight to be here talking about that sort of thing. Okay, so with uh, with that, let's talk about the topic of the day, which is on-farm quality assurance programs. Okay, so now, here's the deal. 
is that last week <laughs> I did a mindset topic and episode 51 was all about stopping arguing with reality and doing nothing because there's a super high cost to doing nothing. And when we start talking on farm quality assurance programs, uh, this is where people start arguing with uh, the checkoff boards. <laughs> okay, I know I said it, I said it, the evil, evil checkoff boards. All right, now I'm no excuse me, I'm no big fan of the checkoff boards. They do employ <laughs> people that I know and people I serve on boards with. And I do think that they have a place um, in our world because that's reality. They have, they literally have a place in the world of food, okay? What that place is depends on how we show up to our own thoughts and how we show up to our own work within doing QA programs. So I want you to go back and listen to episode 51 because this uh, this episode sort of builds on that, um, but it builds on the mindset that when you start arguing with what is, you end up doing nothing and that's very expensive. So it will be super helpful in this episode if you understand that the cost of doing nothing to your business is very, very high which is why we're talking about on-farm QA programs. So on-farm QA programs are these programs that have been developed by and large uh, by the checkoff programs in the pork industry and in the beef industry. Okay, we have other ones. Um, there's a lamb industry one and a fish industry one. And I'm going to talk about these in general terms. And then after the podcast in the, uh, in the, uh, what are they called in the comments section? I'm going to provide links to them so that you can dive into them as appropriate because I have all sorts of people who listen to this to this podcast. The driving force behind these on-farm quality assurance programs is that is is the idea of efficiency. These are all programs that are based in the ISO system by and large or the ISO methodology. So ISO is the International Standards Organization. And the International Standards Organization came about in uh, the 70s after the Vietnam War when the U.S. Navy looked around and said, we just spent probably trillions of dollars executing a war in South Asia. Did we get what we bought? How do we know we got what we bought? And thus, the ISO system was born. So it was originally born out of the uh, supply chain, uh, the supply chain engineers in the um, uh, in the Navy. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, we have a whole supply corps in the Navy, and they're very good people. <laughs> and their school used to be in Athens, Georgia, uh, where I uh, got my and I got my vet degree from the University of Georgia in Athens. So the supply chain people in the Navy systematized the questions that they asked and the things that they needed to know, did they actually get the hammer that they purchased, okay? And then this is where the story of the $400 hammer comes from. And there, there are lots of things that go into that story, but once we start talking ISO, people start buying into the story that it's complicated and difficult. Okay, and I'm here to dispel that notion because the ISO system is one that is actually focused on delivering customer value. Okay, 
because the ISO system has, they have two components, okay? There's the technical component of the ISO system, okay? And then there's the management component of the ISO system. Now, the management component of the ISO system started out with ISO 9001. I mean, it got rewritten. It didn't start at ISO 9001, um, but it got rewritten to ISO 9001, which is the standard. It gets rewritten every three years, but it, it's basically not changing much. And they're, they're asking the question, did you make what you said you were going to make? And how do you know? Okay. From a business perspective, those are incredibly important questions. And ISO gives us a way of systematizing the answer. Okay. Now, most of you who are in the value-added processes part of the food production system know the ISO system as the Global Food Safety Initiative. And that's the um, SQF standard, the BRC standard, the Global Gap standard. Uh, there are some other standards out there, but those are probably the most uh, common ones that people have, people have heard of. The systems we are talking about today, PQA Plus, which is the Pork Quality Assurance Program, and they added the plus when they rewrote it, and I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, then the Beef Quality Assurance Program, which actually also covers dairy. The Lamb Quality Assurance Program, which is much less popular than BQA or PQA. And then the up and coming or the, you know, the revised Fish Quality Assurance Program. Any farm can have a quality assurance program if you are willing to define what do you make and how do you know that you made it, okay? That is the basis of understanding a quality assurance program. What the checkoff programs have done in creating the PQA plus and the BQA plus, because those are, you know, we don't have so many, we, we don't have a whole lot of checkoff programs in the United States. What they have done is really formalized and systematized the important parts of those processes. It is very technical in nature, okay? So the what do you make question is by and large the technical processes of what you make. And on a farm, if you are doing animal-based protein, your final product is a carcass that meets specifications, okay? And so then that gets us into a question about specifications. What do you make? Like, this is literally the first question I ask people. The proofing box methodology is entirely designed around the, that initial question of what do you make, all right? And that's because what do you make creates a whole other set of questions. And if you start diving into that, you'll understand how the ISO system came about. Because what do you make? Then the question says, how do I know I made what I said I was going to do? And that's the ISO system. So how does this apply to family farms? All right. The first thing that I, the, that I want to talk about on a family farm is that family farms are businesses, okay? And despite what Sonny Purdue, a graduate of my esteemed veterinary school in Georgia, said at whatever meeting he was in, I think he was in Wisconsin, and he basically said he doesn't think that small dairies are going to survive, all right? Cover your ears if the kids are in the car because 
I'm sorry, that's bullshit, okay? Because family farms are viable entities. They provide a tremendous amount of value to our society as a whole. They build wealth, they build community, they solve health problems. There are lots of really sound economic reasons to have family farms around, okay? <laughs> so Sunny Purdue can go stick a sock in it because family farms deserve to be here. They deserve our support and they are viable economic models. Now, are they are family dairy farms viable economic models when we have complete government control over milk prices? Potentially no, but then that's an entirely different political conversation about how the big guys end up setting milk prices. Okay, so we're not going to get into arguing with what is because that is what is and it's not going to it's not going to help but i am here to tell you that family farming delivers 46 cents creates seven off farm jobs for every on farm job 46 cents into the economy they are viable entities and we are here to help make them viable and one of the ways that we do that is by creating systems okay and so the first thing that I, I'm going to talk to you about is building assets, all right? Building systems starts with the idea that you are going to invest in assets in your business. The first and most important asset in your business is the brain space and the brain maturity of the founder and the management, okay? That is the number one asset in your business. That is what I literally spend the most of my time managing. I spend all, more than two hours every day managing my own mind so I can grow my own business. This is how I have managed to show up for a podcast 52 weeks in a row. <laughs> okay, so managing your own mind, number one asset. Number two asset in your company is the minds of your employees because your employees have brilliant minds, all of them, even the janitors, folks, uh, even the people who are cleaning out the cleaning out the cages, they're the ones that know how your system actually works. They know how to make your product. Uh, and it's, of course, your product that delivers customer value. So number three asset and number four asset, number three asset is your customers and how your customers perceive you and how you interact with your customers. The number four asset is the product, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so bring all those minds together and you create products that answer problems in the world because your customers pay for solutions to problems. They don't pay for your food, they pay for solutions to problems. The number five asset in your business is your processes. ISO systems are all about processes. They are a tremendous asset. If you talk to um, people who work in uh, agricultural accounting, food accounting and that sort of thing, they are in fact, your processes, if you have an ISO system is a depreciable asset, costs more than $1,000 to implement and has a three year shelf life. So it's an asset, I promise. <laughs> it's an asset that can go on your books. <laughs> Talk to your accountant, this is not accounting advice. And then the sixth and final asset in your business is your stuff. It is the fungible or um, stuff that can be traded for money and money in your business. So the, the, the sum total in your bank account and the sum total of what all of your on-farm equipment or your processing equipment could potentially be sold for. Now, those are the six assets in your business. What's the asset that everybody invests in first? The stuff, 
okay? Stuff is shiny, stuff is easily fundable, like it is super easy to go to the bank and say, hey, I wanna build a barn, hey, I wanna buy this piece of equipment. A bank understands that. It is very difficult to go to a bank and say, I would like to borrow money so that I can build a QA system. All right, I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> and so the um, that's why you know we have pay by month options. We're essentially financing, you know, um, allowing you to finance uh, getting QA systems into your into your production process. Okay. My request to you is that you start with systematizing your business by believing that systems will get you further than you are now. And that is a process of managing your mind and showing up to your own mind and building your mind as an asset so that you can build out your processes as an asset. And the first and best way to do that is by deciding to do it. Decide that this work is important, okay? And when you decide that this work is important, what you're gonna do is, is you're gonna schedule out all the tasks that you have to do Okay, you're gonna put those tasks on your calendar, write this shit down, people. You're gonna show up to the tasks and then you're gonna evaluate what happened. All right, that's how we do all of our work around here. So what are those tasks? On a farm, the first set of those tasks is to understand what these systems actually are. So let's start with the PQA plus system. So the PQA plus system comes from the pork checkoff dollars, all right? And it is run by some very nice people who, yes, they are employed by the pork board, all right? But they work really, really hard. It is an audited system, so you can get a third-party audit on this. And it's a system, and I think it's divided into eight different parts that really ask the question, how do you produce a quality carcass at the end of your production run? And it asks everything about your feed, how you're feeding, how you're protecting your feed from being eaten by rodents. This is very, very important. What is your veterinary client-patient relationship? Because that is also super important. How are you using drugs in your production facility? How are you tracking catch rates, all right? Because you need a replacement guilt program in your in your, in your pork production or else you're not gonna have pork production for very long, all right? And so the PQA Plus program is an auditable program. You can get somebody, it's usually a veterinarian that will come out and they will audit you. The reason to do something like PQA Plus is that if you are PQA Plus certified, your pork product, your carcass is considered to not have two of our very most important parasites that we have to control for in the production process, in like the post, you know, the post slaughter production process. And that's trichinolosis and toxoplasmosis. Okay. And so for those of you who are interested in that conversation, I do a lot of that teaching over on the Salt Cured Pig Facebook page. We have a ton of stuff on trichinolosis and toxoplasmosis and its control in the charcuterie process. But here's the thing if you are selling into a charcuterie process, you go get PQA plus certified then your producers don't have to control for trichinolosis or toxoplasmosis. That means you take out a whole critical control point from their HACCP plan, which is their production plan, okay? Uh, and that, I can't even begin to tell you how much time, money, and energy that saves 
uh, from them because proving destruction of trichinella is incredibly important to FSIS, the Food Safety Inspection Service. And if they're just buying in product where it's trichinellosis and toxoplasmosis are not reasonably likely to occur, then they don't have to control for it and they don't have all of the paperwork and the monitoring and the validation that goes along with it. And it is of tremendous value. Okay, and that's why we do things in our businesses is to deliver customer value. That's what our customers pay for. They pay for solving problems because solving problems is valuable, right? Okay, so that's the short overview of the PQA Plus program. You can just Google PQA Plus. Everything's downloadable and you can, you can download and you can start implementing PQA Plus. How do you do that on a small farm? Because PQA Plus, my friends, is absolutely designed for confinement operations. But I will tell you, I have been in confinement operations and they're not as shiny and pretty as you think that they are. Yes, they're cleanable. Yes, you can do all in, all out. But you know what? I do all in, all out with my pork farmers all the time. It is really not that complicated. You just have to decide to do it. Okay, there are ways for you to build a PQA plus system that are pastured pork appropriate and it is totally possible to pass an audit as a pastured pork producer. Will you have to work a little harder to make sure you understand that rodents are not getting into your feed? Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the work of being a pastured farmer, about, about changing the conversation that we have in the food industry. That's the work that you've chosen to do, and I highly recommend that you choose to do it so that you can deliver that value to your customers. But it is 110% possible to do a PQA Plus program as a pastured pork producer. Okay, so that's PQA plus. Next, the beef quality assurance program. Yes, this is brought to you by your beef checkoff dollars. Yes, this is entirely designed around concentrated animal feeding operations. And no, most of the people listening here do not have that. But again, this is one of these programs that you don't have to go get an audit for this. It doesn't, I mean, shigatoxin E. coli is not less likely to occur in a PQA plus program. <laughs> okay, so this is one that actually helps you understand feed conversions, you know, because you have to, I mean, what, what, what value are you getting out of the pasture that you're pasture, that you're grass fed, feeding on? Uh, start understanding that sort of stuff. Start understanding the inputs into your, your beef program and your dairy program. Because of course, your, 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 your beef program and your dairy program, many people who dairy also have a beef program, right? Because the boys have to go somewhere and they go into the beef food stream, no matter what breed you have. So the BQA plus program help, does help tie together a, um, uh, a beef and a dairy program. But then for my vertically integrated dairy, so my, 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 my customers who are running their own cattle, running their own pastures, making their own milk, whether it's a grade A fluid milk product on the IMSL, the interstate milk shippers list, or, um, or you're doing raw milk production, I live in a raw milk legal state, uh, or doing value added production, so you're like actually making the cheese. So I've, I have plenty of customers who run 20 to 30 cattle, they milk cattle twice a day, they, some of them sell into the co-op and some of them take all of that fluid milk production and they put it into uh, their cheese making process. When you run an on-farm quality assurance program, you make safer raw milk because you are tracking, if nothing else, you're tracking um, 
the drugs that you put into your girls, okay? Mastitis is real. Mastitis affects all sorts of things, and we treat mastitis with a combination of drugs um, and, and husbandry, okay? A BQA Plus program will give you much more insight and allow you to head off problems and potential quality problems in your raw milk or safety problems in your raw milk and your cheese well before you put all the time, money, and effort into actually making a cheese product and aging it for 60 days, all right? That is a huge cost savings. The efficiencies that you get when you institute a BQA Plus program on your vertically integrated dairies that you will make decisions faster because you'll be gathering more data. Does it require more paperwork? Yes. Is it paperwork that you might want to be doing anyway? Absolutely. You might as well follow the protocol and understand what you're doing. Okay. Then the other part of it is, is if you are running a BQA Plus program, okay, and you are building community through our small farms and you are selling the way from your cheese making process to your local friendly pork producer, because if you only raise your pigs on pasture and acorns, you get very soft fat, which is not what everybody wants. Okay, it's good for some things. If you're making, you know, like prosciuttos and stuff like that, that's awesome. But for your salami, you need harder back fat. We get harder back fat through saturated acids, saturated or saturated fatty acids. And saturated fatty acids come to us a lot of time from dairy products into our pigs. So then imagine how much stronger your customer relationships will be if you are selling BQA produced whey, okay, um, and, and whey that's made under good manufacturing practices once it hits the cheese making process to a pork producer who is running a PQA plus program. That, my friends, really ties together the economies and allows everybody to understand who's making what, what the profitability is. Um, it allows the pig farmer to understand what they're bringing on to the farm. It's an amazing, it's actually a really amazing way to develop community because everybody's having the same conversation and elevating the conversation from a quality and safety standpoint. Okay. And that's the, I mean, that's the idea is that when we declare, we know what we're making, we're dedicated to making a quality product. Okay. And a quality product, my friends, is defined as a product that meets specifications. If you don't have specs, if you don't know what you make, you don't make quality product by definition in the ISO system. And we can argue that grass-fed beef is a higher quality product than cathode beef. And from a subjective standpoint, a lot of us would agree with that. I would totally agree with it that grass-fed beef is a higher quality product. From an ISO standpoint, cathode beef is a higher quality product because it's all produced under an ISO system with specifications that those carcasses meet, all right? That is an arena we can play in. We can declare that we know how to do this. And the specifications don't have to be complicated, okay? If you're producing beef, your specification is carcass weight, carcass quality, even though we don't grade out carcass quality in the pastured world, in the grass-fed world, um, you know, you can, do, you can do quality metrics on the color of your fat for beta carotenes. You can measure omega-6s and omega-3s in the fat. Do the same thing on pigs, okay? Fat cap, what you know, like what, how many inches of fat cap are you are you having? You know, you mangalitsa breeders, and we get seven seven inches of fat cap uh, on your on your pork loins. Does anybody want that? And specifications allows you to answer that question. 
okay? And so quality is defined by conformance to specifications. And when you tie a BQA program and a PQA program with vertically integrated production, you have a much better conversation and everybody ends up elevating the conversation. All right, so that's how those two programs work. The LAM quality assurance program is much less well regulated. It's got a good set of questions. It comes, shockingly enough, out of Australia. Uh, and it, um, it has a, uh, a whole set of questions that basically answers the same thing. There is no audit available for the LAM quality assurance program. It is designed around creating a both meat and fiber sheep and so you're going to want to define your car like what carcass quality if you're even going for a carcass quality because of course you can have a lamb quality assurance program for a fiber community right <laughs> and if you are doing that or you're doing a mixed breed you have two things to balance which is the fiber quality coming off of your sheep and then the uh um and then the carcass quality coming off if you're selling mutton or whatever okay and the lamb quality assurance program allows you to do that because by and large they focus on dual purpose breeds fiber excuse me fiber and meat breeds okay that's a program out of it's much less sophisticated than the pqa plus program and the bqa plus program and that's frankly because it's not funded by the government nearly as much as our checkoff programs fund our quality assurance programs but if you go to the BQA program, you can look at a lot, you can transfer a lot of the things. I mean, ruminants are ruminants, right? And so understanding your veterinary um, client-patient relationship doesn't really change if you have an 1,800-pound ruminant versus a 180-pound ruminant, <laughs> okay? Next, I want to talk about the Fish Quality Assurance Program. Now, the Fish Quality Assurance Program is, um, there, there are two of big ones out there. And the first one is, is for wild-caught fish and, and on-boat harvested fish. And that's published by the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN. And that one is probably the most applicable to local fishing communities who are trying to create a more vertically integrated and more robust system that isn't essentially CAFOing the seas. If you are CAFOing the seas, <laughs> all right, and doing pen fisheries, the Global Aquaculture Alliance has the best um, the uh, best practices, okay, that you can enroll in, you can get audited in, and that is all about making sure penned fisheries and cathode, which is essentially cathode fish, that you follow many times drug practices. It is very easy to take 50 pound sacks of fluoroquinolones and toss it in with your salmon, all right, to solve a whole bunch of growth issues in your salmon. And of course, this is the primrose path to death and destruction, <laughs> all right? So, and I'm not saying anybody does that. I'm saying that those practices are readily available, whether it's salmon or shrimp or whatever, okay? There are some huge problems with CAFOing fish that the Global Aquaculture Alliance uh, uh, best fish practices are designed to control against, <laughs> okay? So, but they all have the same idea that there are technical things that we can do, that there is paperwork that we can do. There is a lot number tracking that we can do. It is, you are, I promise as small farmers, you are not allergic to lot numbers. All right, how do you know? So this happens all the time. This happens all the time. Is that you get, you go to the grain, the, the, you know, like you go to your, your, your grain distributor, okay? And you buy a lot of grain and something is wrong with it. 
And the question is, how do we know what's wrong with it? And I have worked up, you know, we had, back when I was in vet school, we had a problem with the grain mill where they forgot to add B vitamins, all right, so panathenic acid, and the pig's skin started falling apart because B vitamins, very important for keeping your skin together, or I suppose pig's skin together, yours as well. Uh, and we had to, the only way we were able to trace it is through lot numbering. All right, and I recognize that lot numbering seems like a really, really challenging thing to do, but doing a receiving log with lot numbering is probably the first best quality assurance practice that you can do. All right, and you do that by creating a piece of paper that's basically a table, all right, and you have the date that you're receiving something, you have what you received, you have the lot number, of whoever you bought it from. If they're not lotting, you assign a lot number, okay? And then you um, sign off on that. <laughs> that's really it. That's, I, I mean, and that's for anything that you make, anything there, anything that you receive, okay? You can do that sort of receiving log. What's the date that it came in? What did you actually receive? What's the lot number and who did the receiving? Okay, start there. Then if you wanna take it up a notch, start putting specifications on the stuff that you receive. Okay, so say you are getting, um, say you're getting in organic grain. It's getting on winter time. Everybody's giving a higher concentrate feed right now. Then what you do is you develop a specification for that feed. What percent fat, what percent protein, does it need to be GMO free, does it need to be organic, does it need to be soy free, whatever, you have specifications. Write those suckers down. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be on one piece of paper, okay? Then when you receive something, you do, you, all you do is add one column. You still have the date it was received, you still have what was received, and then whoever signs off on it, signs off on the column of meets specifications. So actually saying that, you don't even need an extra column in your spreadsheet. Instead of just signing off on it, it signs off on meet specification because I guarantee you that's the work the person is doing anyway. You might as well record it and get value out of it, right? And then, um, and then a lot number. Oh my God, all of a sudden you have incoming product specification and a way of tracking that you actually got what you requested. That, my friends, is one of the first and best steps that you can do when instituting a quality assurance program. Everything else falls out from there, okay? Because in, a, in an on-farm quality assurance program, you know what has to happen for the, for the quality assurance program to, to, to work? everything has to come onto the farm. I have to come onto the farm. If I'm doing, you know, if we're doing a, a biosecurity plan, I literally have to come onto your farm. Well, guess what? You have specifications for me. I need to know stuff, okay? I need to be insured. <laughs> I need to have certain biosecurity policies of my own self. Like, do I wear booties? How do we work on that? When do I wash my hands, okay? Do I have to sign in? All of that stuff comes from a specification that stuff is coming onto the farm. What stuff do you want coming onto your farm? And then translate that conversation into what stuff do you want going off of your farm? And that, my friends, is the pathway to instituting a quality assurance program. When you go PQA+, plus, BQA, LQA, or FishQA, it is just theme and variations 
on how you're getting to that result of sending off the farm the stuff you said you would send off the farm. That's it. All right. That is what we have for you for the podcast today. I am delighted that you're here. I'm delighted that we've been doing this for a year. And we'll see you at the next podcast. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.